Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning again, everybody. It's good to see y'all. Uh, before I begin the sermon, I do want to say this. It is Memorial Day weekend, and I would just encourage you to uh, take time this weekend, especially tomorrow, to, to uh, thank God for the men and women who've given their lives to defend our country. This is not a trivial thing. Uh, so please, take some time to spend time talking with your family about those who have laid down their lives for our country. Uh, today, as we talked about, is graduation Sunday, and so what I'm going to do today is give some advice to young people from a pastor and from a father, and uh, my sermon really is aimed really to all of you young people, especially those in high school and college and those who have recently left home. Uh, I really have a heart for the young folks, um, and so what I've, de- what I've decided to do is every year I'm going to preach a sermon uh, to our graduates. Um, this is a very personal sermon to me uh, because three out of the last four years, our family has had a son graduate high school. So this is a, a and we have another one this year. I, I said as it's Drew, he's heading off to college. Um, so this is for Drew and our other graduates, Benjamin and Anna Joy, uh, James. I know you graduated too, and congratulations. But if you haven't heard any of what I'm going to say today, it's probably too late. So. Um, <laughs> So first of all, let me say to our our graduates, let me start by saying something that is actually uh, maybe tough to hear, but I think it's important for you to to think about this, is as you are graduating high school, as you're leaving home, you need to remember this, that you need to leave your childhood behind. It is time to leave your childhood behind. You need to leave this phase of your life behind. If, If you are, by the time you're in if you're graduating high school, you're in college, you're a young adult, uh, and you still think of yourself as a kid, that needs to stop. You really need to leave your childhood behind, and you need to self-consciously think of yourself as an adult. You're an adult now, and you need to end your childhood. Um, this is tough to hear, but there are just times when things need to end. There's a book that I've read that has helped me. It's called Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. And young people, listen to what Dr. Cloud has said. He says this, getting to the next level always requires ending something, leaving it behind, and moving on. Growth itself demands that we move on. Without the ability to end things, people stay stuck, never becoming who they are meant to be, never accomplishing all that their talents and abilities should afford them. So God expects us to grow. You were made, young people, you were made to grow in knowledge and wisdom. You were made to grow in holiness. You were made to grow in your relationship with God. You're made to grow. You're made to become mature. And if you think about it, most of the metaphors in the Bible that talk about our relationship with God are pictures of growth. Psalm 1 is a picture of a growing tree, growing and becoming strong. The fruit of the Spirit is a picture of of a tree bearing fruit. It's a picture of growth. So you're to grow and to become a mature person, a mature follower of Christ. But the only way that you can grow is by ending something. And young people, for you to grow, you need to end your childhood. You need to leave it behind and really you need to never look back. Childhood is a season of life. It's a wonderful season. It's a wonderful season. But there comes a time 
when that season needs to end. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn to uh, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes 3. This is a famous passage. The, I think it was in the 60s. The birds had a song about this. You know, to everything, turn, turn. Uh, there's, a, there's a time for everything, a time for, for seasons for everything. This is Ecclesiastes 3. We're just going to read the first few verses. Ecclesiastes, if you go Psalms, the middle of the Bible, and you kind of go right, Psalms, Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 3. Let me read it to us. It says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. So what God is saying through his word, through the author of Ecclesiastes, is there's a season for everything. Farmers understand this, right? There's a season for preparing the soil. There's a season for planting seeds but that season can't go on forever if the farmer continues to plant seeds all year long there's never going to be a harvest so the planting season the time of preparing the soil that season has to come to an end every season has to come to an end and as I said the season of childhood is necessary and wonderful as a parent let me tell you personally as a parent This time of year, whenever we have somebody graduate, this is what I do. I prepare a little video of our kids, and it's a time for four hours I just cry. I just cry because I prepare a video starting with the birth of our kids. We've got all these pictures preparing, looking at the birth of our graduate all the way up, and I compile all these pictures together with videos, and I watch them grow up before my eyes. I put it together like a 10-minute video of our kids growing up, and I just weep. I'm hoping I'm not going to cry today because I'm sick of crying from the pulpit. But, but uh, it, it's the season of childhood is wonderful. You parents know if you have grown kids and you look back at the, the season of childhood when they're little, it is precious. It is wonderful. And time flies. Time absolutely flies by. Um, but that, that season is wonderful. But as I said, that season needs to come to an end. Ecclesiastes says that there's a time to die, and that applies to seasons of your life too. There's a time when the seasons of your life have to die. And for young people, the season of childhood needs to die. You don't need to keep it on life support, okay? One of the saddest things that I see nowadays, and it's extremely common, are grown men and women who are trying to act like kids, who are trying to keep their childhoods alive. That season needs to go. Young people, you cannot grow into the person God wants you to be if you stay stuck in your childhood. If you stay stuck in your childhood, you're not going to live a meaningful life. You're just wasting your time, really. You're wasting your lives. You're never going to accomplish the good things that God wants for you if you continue acting like a child. Paul says this in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to this. Paul says, When I was a child... I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a kid. That's, that's appropriate. That's, Paul says that's fine, that's wonderful. When you're a kid, to act like a kid, that's wonderful. 
But then Paul says this, when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. There is a time to grow up and become an adult. And that is my burden for you graduates, you young adults. And the beauty about this, this is an exciting time. Because one season of your life is ending and another season is beginning. And this season of life, this season of young adulthood is incredibly important. I think about most of us in here who are, who are adults, think about that season of, say, graduating high school. Think about that time period of the next five to ten years of your life after you graduated high school. That is a monumental time in your life. Most of the time, in many ways, this season of life graduates for the next ten years. And ten years is not a long time. Ten years, if, if you're, I, I'm, what am I, 52 Ten years ago, 2011, is that ancient history? Ten years ago. I think ten years ago our kids were age 6 to 11. Now they're 16 to 21 in a very short period of time. And Andy, in a very short period of time, they're going to be 26 to 31. In ten years they're going to be 26 to 31. Can you believe that? Ten years is not a long time, but, but graduates, this period of time really sets the course of your life. Honestly, this ten-year period after when you graduate. I think about this, most people will begin their careers during that time. Most people will find the person that they're going to marry during that time. Most people start to develop habits that mold them into the type of people that they're going to become. So graduates, this time is huge for you. So I have some things as a pastor, as a father, that I want to share with you. So here we go, okay? And they're going to be kind of random scattershot. I want to do this every year if we have graduates but, but these are things that I have a burden on my heart that I want to share with you. First of all, do the little things you know you should do. Do the little things you know you should do. Every day. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by this. Every day. I'll give you one example. Make your bed. <laughs> make your bed every day. Just make your bed every day. If you, have, if you have class, if you're in school, be at class. Every single class. Don't skip class. If you're working a job, never miss a day of work unless you're sick or you're on vacation. Do the little things like showing up early for class, showing up early for work. Do these little things because here's what happens. When you do little things like making your bed and showing up early and you do this day after day, when you do these little things, what you're doing is you're showing that you can handle big things. You're showing that you have, can handle increasing responsibilities. Recently, I preached a sermon on Luke 16. And Jesus says this in Luke 16, 10. He says, and he's applying it to money, but it applies to everything. He says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is faithful in little things, making your bed, being early to, to class and work, being there, being on time. If you're faithful in these little things, then what you're doing is you're showing that you can handle bigger responsibilities. Listen, if you can't be responsible for little things, if you can't do these little things, do you think you're going to be able to handle big responsibilities as you grow up? Remember what Jesus said, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. So prove to yourself, prove to others, 
Prove to the Lord that you can handle little responsibilities and then watch how the Lord will grow you and you'll start being able to handle more and more responsibilities. So as I said, every day just do the little things you know you should do. Next, this is a huge thing for me and I try to stress it every time I talk to graduates, but be a lifelong learner. Be a lifelong learner. Be a reader. I beg you to try to become a reader. When I was young, I hated to read. I never did read. But after I became a Christian, I started to learn the importance of reading. And I love reading. And I think it's so important. Even if you're not good at reading, there are audiobooks, there's technologies, especially the Bible, right? We want to be Bible readers. We want to be people who are in the Word every single day. But also read other books, fiction and nonfiction. Listen, to, to, for you to learn, for you to grow, really the only way that we can learn and grow is by experiencing something ourselves or listening to the wisdom of other people. That's really the only way we can grow. And there is a lot of wisdom available from books. Listen, this is, is 2 Timothy 4.13. 2 Timothy 4.13, Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. <laughs> Listen to what he says. This is awesome. He says, when you come, Timothy... He says, bring this cloak, it's a personal message, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also, when you come, Timothy, bring the books. Bring my books, and above all, the parchments. Now, this is Charles Spurgeon's commentary on this verse. Listen to what Spurgeon says. He says, Paul is an apostle, but even an apostle must read. Paul is inspired, and yet he wants books. Paul has been preaching for at least 30 years Yet he wants books. Paul had seen the Lord, and yet he wants books. Paul wrote the major part of the New Testament, and yet he wants books. So young people, if, if the Apostle Paul needed to read books, then you and I need to read books. You need to be a reader. And what I've found is this, that consistent reading will just change your life. It'll just change your life. This is an aside, but, but young folks, listen to this, people who read a lot, they're happier and they make more money. Do you know that? They're happier and they make more money. So read a lot, as I said, especially the Bible, but also great books, fiction and nonfiction. And also, if you can, discuss books with friends. Regular reading and discussing books with friends will just dramatically change your life. It's, it's outside of the Lord's work in my life and the church, outside of that and my family, outside of that, reading and discussing books with friends has been just probably the biggest thing to, to mold me into the person who I am. All right, next, young people, be diligent and hardworking. Be diligent and hardworking for the glory of God in everything you do. In the area of work, understand this, and I, I, I'm beginning to see more of this. Work is a blessing. Work is a blessing from God. God gave Adam the task of working in the garden, and that was before the fall. There's no sin in the world. And God gave Adam this task of working. So working is good. And I'm not just talking about career work. I'm talking about working in the home as well. So important. Serving in the church. Wherever you work, young people, please don't be lazy. Work ethic is huge. And being diligent in your work, whether in the workplace or in the home or in the church, this is so important in terms of bringing glory to God. So don't be lazy. Book of Proverbs, I'm going to ask you to turn to Proverbs chapter 6. This is just one place in Proverbs, but the book of Proverbs is filled with commands to work hard. 
Look at Proverbs. If if you're in Ecclesiastes, go left one. The book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 6. Again, this is one of many places that talks about being diligent, being hardworking. Look at Proverbs 6, 6. The writer says, go to the ant, O sluggard. A sluggard is a lazy person. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways. Look at the ant and think about her ways and be wise. Think about what she's doing. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she, the ant, prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So he's saying, look at the ant. Look how hard ants work. They don't even have someone giving them directions. And the ants work extremely hard. And then the writer of Proverbs says, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? You're laying in bed. You're not getting up. Then it says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want, a lack of things, like an armed man. Not everybody in poverty is lazy, but there are some people who experience poverty because they don't work. And that's what the writer of Proverbs is saying. So we want to be hardworking. We want to be diligent young people. Here's another one. You don't need to turn there, but this is Proverbs 15, 19. It says the way or the, the path, the life of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns. It's like just difficulty. Life is difficult if you're, if you're lazy. It says, but the path of the upright is a highway. So God commands us to work hard and not be lazy. Don't do the minimum. Take ownership. Look for ways to help your boss or your organization, your coworkers, your company. In our day, I'll tell you this, young people. In our day, if you show up to work early and you work hard every day doing more than what is required, I guarantee it, you're going to do well. You're going to do well and you're going to advance. Because hard work, diligent hard work is not a big priority in our culture today. So hard work and diligence is going to serve you well. And young ladies, if you're working hard as a mom and wife, that is so honoring to God. So for all our young people, again, I would just say don't be lazy. Be diligent and hardworking for the glory of God. Young people, I want to talk to you about marriage and family. I try to do this too every time that I, that I speak to you. Uh, graduation Sunday, marriage and family. I want to say this. When you're thinking about finding a spouse, young people, when you meet someone, And you're thinking, should I marry this person? First of all, first and foremost, only consider marrying a person who loves Christ and who loves the church. That's a non-negotiable. We're commanded by by the Lord to to marry in the Lord. That means marry a fellow believer. And what I think is that means you shouldn't even date a non-Christian. You shouldn't even date a non-believer. No exceptions on that. Also, when you're thinking about marrying a person, you're saying, should I marry this person? Listen, this is so important. I've seen this happen time and time again. Don't even consider marrying someone who is unkind. Don't consider marrying someone who is abusive. Don't even consider it. Because what you, even if they treat you well, if they treat other people like garbage, eventually they're going to treat you like garbage. It happens. So don't do that. Galatians 5.22 says this, the fruit of the Spirit, think about these words, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That, those are the exact opposite of a person who's unkind and abusive. 
So don't even consider marrying a person who's unkind and abusive. Young people, watch the way they treat other people. Watch, what the, watch how they treat others. Young men, watch how she treats the waitress at the restaurant. Watch that. Young ladies, watch how he treats the, the person working at the cash register. Watch how they treat people like that. And if you ever see cruelty, unkindness, I say just run away. You don't want to get stuck in that. I've seen it many, many times. Let's talk about church, young folks. I've said this too many times. If possible, don't miss church on Sundays during, I've tried to remind us of this, during Sunday worship, Jesus has good gifts that he wants to give his people. He has good gifts that he wants to give us when his church gathers together. So don't miss those gifts. Uh, Be here. Uh, Young people, again, just make it so that your home is one where the culture of your home is one where you're going to be in church on Sunday morning. I encourage you too, even if you go on vacation, to, if possible, to find a church where you're vacationing. It's actually a lot of fun. So make it the culture of your family that you're always going to be in church on Sunday morning. Uh, and and it, what happens if you end up missing a lot of church, you, you end up conveying a message unintentionally to your kids. But the, the encouraging part is if the culture of your family is that basically you never miss church, your kids are going to see by your life that Jesus and the church mean the world to you. So young folks, be in church. Look for ways to serve others in the church. Look for ways to encourage others in the church. Don't always think, hey, people need to come to me. They need to, what are they doing? They need to come and serve me. Don't think that way. When you get into church, think how you can serve other people, how you can be a blessing to other people. Also, I've thought about this with with my son going to a Christian college, uh, Benjamin going to a Christian college. When you're off, you're going to be at these Christian schools or you're at at a, a different church or even our church. This is a fact for believers, and I think it's helpful over time, you know what? You're going to see hypocrisy. You're going to see hypocrisy in the church. You're going to see people who are phonies. You're, they're going to pretend to be something on Sunday morning, and then in their private lives, they're going to be something totally different. Don't let that discourage you. Don't let that make you jaded and say, oh, the church is a bunch of hypocrites. Instead, cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, don't make me like that. Make me more committed to you, Lord. So if you, when you see that hypocrisy, don't let that affect you don't let it make you jaded next I want to talk about the the vision of the good life Uh, what I have learned is that people's imagination of the good life affects their own decisions and their own lives in a huge way if they have a vision of a good life and and here's what happens we have these different ideas of a good life but I want us to imagine the good life from God's perspective not from the world's perspective So what is a good life? Understand it's not the dream house. It's not tons of money. It's not an exciting job or a position of power. It's not living in an exciting city. It's not traveling the world. It's not prestige or fame. That should not be your idea of what the good life is. What's the good life? The good life is being a part of a family that loves Jesus Christ and loves each other. That's the good life. The good life is being a part of a church that loves Jesus Christ and loves each other. That's a good life. I saw this in a tweet recently. It was addressed to young men, and I thought it was really great. It said this, Get married, have kids, live in a small town close to family, go to church, smoke a cigar with your buddy on the weekend, lift weights, mow the grass, romance your wife, build a treehouse, 
read good books, take your boy fishing, and pray. <laughs> That's great. I say amen to that. I say amen to that, except the cigar part, honestly. If you, if, if you love cigars, man, more power to you, but whenever I've smoked a cigar, it feels like I'm eating an ashtray. So, uh, so, but outside of the cigar thing, I say amen to all those, those things. Listen, the good life is a, this is so huge, the good life is a good, faithful, simple, and largely hidden life, but it's one devoted to God, His Word, and His church. That's the good life. The good life, in many ways, is an ordinary, faithful life. I've come to understand that the most important people in the world, and now, see how many, how many times you hear this, in my view, the most important people in the world are those who live quiet, ordinary lives of faith in God. Those are the most important people on the planet. The people who are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, who live faithful, quiet, ordinary lives. They're the most significant people in the world. Because think about it, when you think about ambition, what comes to your mind when you think about the word ambition? You know, at, at this time of year, you hear these graduation speeches about ambition. How you graduates are going to change the world, right? Is that your ambition? When you think about ambition, what do you think about? The funny thing is the Bible doesn't talk about ambition very much. It doesn't talk about aspiring to things very much. But when it does, you should listen. So listen to this. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. And it does talk about ambition. It talks about aspiring. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. Listen to what it says, what Paul says. Make it your ambition. What do you think he's going to say? Make it your ambition to live a quiet life. <laughs> make it your ambition to live a quiet life. Doesn't say make it your ambition to change the world. Doesn't say make it your ambition to never give up on your dreams. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It says, make it your ambition to live a quiet life. And the context is living a quiet, simple, ordinary life, devoted to God, devoted to Christ and his church. The Bible says that your ambition should be to lead a quiet life where you're faithful to the Lord in all things. That should be our ambition. Now, let me clarify something. I, I, I believe you should set goals. I, I, set goals for yourself and pursue them. I am a big believer in goal setting. But basically, what I think God wants from us is to set goals, yes. Work hard, do your best, do your best with the abilities that God has given you, do the best in the context where you're living. Work hard, do your best. But rejoice in ordinary, faithful lives. And then leave the results to God. Do your best and leave the results to God. And rejoice in these ordinary, faithful lives. Also, I want to say a word to parents just be careful about saying things like this to your kids. Be careful about saying things like, don't ever give up on your dreams. If you keep saying to your kids, don't ever give up on your dreams, or don't ever settle, don't ever settle for anything less than your dreams. Always pursue your dreams. If you say things like that, that may sound fine in a Disney princess movie, really. That, that sounds like a Disney princess movie to me. But there, if you constantly saying that to your kids, to don't ever give up on your dreams inadvertently, what you're doing is you're putting a tremendous amount of pressure on your kids. You're putting a tremendous amount of pressure on your kids to be exceptional. What happens if your kids don't end up living the dream? What happens if your kids don't end up living the dream? What if they're not rich and famous? What if they end up living an ordinary life, like 
the vast majority of us, right? What happens if they end up, have they given up their dreams then? If they end up with an ordinary life? Or have they, have they failed in some way? If your kid, listen, if your kids are living ordinary, faithful lives, are you going to be disappointed in them? Tell you what, if your kids are living ordinary lives where they're faithful to Jesus Christ, I'm going to be rejoicing. I am going to be rejoicing. If in 10 years, I talked about how fast 10 years goes by. If in 10 years, you young people are living quiet, ordinary lives, and you're devoted to the Lord and his church, I'm going to be rejoicing. Listen to, listen to the Apostle John. In fact, let's do this. Turn to 3 John. Turn to 3 John. The very back of the Bible, there is, is uh, Revelation is in the very back, and then a little to the left of that is Jude, and then to the left of that is 3 John. Very, very short little book. I think it's 15 verses. Third John doesn't even have chapters. It's just third John, but look at verse 4. Listen to what the Apostle John says. And he's talking about his children in the faith, his kids in the faith. Listen to what he says. Verse 4. I have no greater joy I have no greater joy. This is my greatest joy, John says. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I, that's me too. I have no greater joy. Young people, I don't care if you're successful in this world. I don't care. I don't care if you make lots of money. You're famous, you're influential. I do not care. What I care about is what John cares about. I have no greater joy than knowing the children in this church, you young people, are walking in the truth. The walking in the truth of God's word. Jesus is the truth. Walking in fellowship with him and unity with him. So parents and young people, let me just encourage you to rejoice in ordinary, faithful lives. I am absolutely convinced that what God wants for us is to make it our ambition to live ordinary, quiet lives of faithful devotion to, our, to his church, to our Lord. Here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. When you live an ordinary life of faithful devotion to Christ, when you live an ordinary life in that way, you're actually living an extraordinary life. That's an extraordinary life. Life. It may not be special in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of God, and that's what counts, an ordinary faithful life is an extraordinary life. So rejoice in ordinary simple lives devoted to the Lord and His church. Jesus is not going to say to us, well done, successful and influential go-getters. That's not what He's going to say. We're not called to be successful. We're not called to be influential. What is Jesus going to say to His people? Well done, good and faithful servant. A servant serves the Lord, serves other people. Good, goodness, faithfulness. That's what Jesus calls us to. Finally, I'm going to wrap up by this. I'd like to say a word to the adults in our church who are older than, say, 25. I've just been, spent a bunch of time giving advice to young people. But I want to say something to our parents and our older adults. Very practical thing, I would just strongly encourage you to please reach out to the young people, the young adults in our church. Reach out to them. Get to know their names. Say hi to them. Go out of your way to care about them. 
Give them a hug on Sunday morning. Invite their families over for supper. Reach out to these young adults. I'll tell you what, being in high school, being in college, being a young single person today is very, very difficult. It's just hard. This culture is not going to celebrate devoted Christians, devoted young Christians. It's just tough. But this place can be a sanctuary. So folks, older folks, reach out to these young people. Care about them. Pray for them. You know, some people, some young people are very loud and boisterous, and that's awesome. But others aren't. I know when I was a young adult, I often felt very awkward. I just felt weird. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to act. I didn't know. I felt just weird in conversations with people. It was just awkward. And a lot of young people are like that nowadays. They're often very unsure of themselves and shy. But listen, when adults in the church, and this church is small enough where we can all know each other. When adults in the church, when they care about these young people, and they greet them, and they engage with them, and they ask their families over for dinner, and they commit to praying for them. These things are so important. And many of you are wonderful about this. I'm going to embarrass two ladies this morning. I hope that Miss Sally's not here, but I'm going to embarrass Miss Sally and Miss Debbie. When you, think, when you see Miss Sally and Miss Debbie and other people going around and giving hugs to these young people, do you think that's a trivial deal? Do you think that's an insignificant thing? It's not. It's huge. It's life-changing. It could have eternal consequences. So I'm speaking for myself, too. I want to follow your example, Miss Debbie. We need to be people who are reaching out to these young people and caring about them. Okay, so let's follow their example. And many of you are doing that already. Many of you are doing that already, and it's wonderful. But I would just encourage us to reach out. I know that many of us have our own kids, and a lot of times we focus in on on just our own family. But I'd encourage you to reach out to these young adults. They need us. They need us. And you can have an immense impact on young adults, even if it's just on Sunday morning saying hi and caring about them and getting to know their names and, and praying for them. These can have eternal consequences. Here at WCC, we, we consider ourselves a family. I would just say let's act like a family and really care about one another, especially our young adults. All right, I'm going to wrap up. I'll just recap. Young adults, remember, childhood is a wonderful season, but it needs to end. Do the little things. Do the little things to prepare you for the big things. Be a reader. Be diligent and hardworking. Be wise in choosing a spouse. Make it and make it your ambition to live a quiet, ordinary life devoted to Christ and His church. And then again, to our parents and older adults, let's reach out in love to these young people in our church. Graduates and all you young folks, listen, I love you. Your family loves you. This church loves you. But even better, so much better, there is a sovereign and holy God who loves you. And he loves you more than any person in this room. He loves you more than any person in the world. You have a father. You have a dad in heaven who loves you. You have a savior who died in your place on the cross. He took upon himself the punishment, the wrath that should have come for you. That's how much Jesus loves you. He died as your substitute on the cross. That's how much he loves you. Know that God loves you, young people. And I would just say this too, young people or old people, if you have not given your lives to Jesus Christ, do that. If you feel burdened now, you understand what Christ has done for you on the cross. Give your life to him. If you have not been followed him in baptism, do that. Come and talk to me about it. 
If you feel like the Lord is working, you need to publicly say that the Lord Jesus is my Savior and follow Him in baptism. Again, come and talk to me about it. So young people know that the Lord loves you. Young people are great and glorious. God has good plans for you. He has good plans for you. And we're excited as a church how He's going to lead you. And we're confident, I'm confident, that you're going to lead your lives in a way that honors the Lord. You're going to lead your lives in a way that the sovereign, holy God who loves you, you're going to live lives that honors Him. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us, just as I've been talking about it, Lord. I'm reminded again just how much you love us. Jesus, how much you love us that you went to the cross for us. So help us to be thankful about that. Help us to remember it and just rejoice in your love for us, Lord. We praise you. God, I do pray for, for our, our, our graduates, for all of our young people. Uh, Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God with us. You're going to be with these young people, and we praise you for that. Just guide them, give them direction, give them encouragement. I know oftentimes uh, being a young person in this society can be very lonely. Be their encouragement. Allow them to seek their joy in you and really find their joy in you. And allow that to just overflow in the rest of their lives. So bless them, Lord. Thank you for our young people. They're really wonderful. I just love the young people in our church. So thank you for them. Bless them and allow them to live lives that that really uh, honor you, rejoice in you in all things. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.